Welcome to Center Ice, the Hockey Alberta podcast, the home of all things hockey in this great province. Now here's your host, Troy Dorrell. Hey, it's Troy Dorrell, and welcome to the latest edition of Center Ice, the Hockey Alberta podcast. We have two very special guests joining the show today for our roundtable episode, as I'm joined by James Poole, the head coach of the Edge U18 prep team. James also spent time with the Calgary Buffaloes and AJHL's Calgary Canucks and Oaks Oilers. And most recently, he helped guide Team Alberta's U16 male team to silver at the WHL Cup right here on Red Deer. I'm also joined by Chris Leeming, the head coach of the McEwen University Griffins women's hockey team. Prior to his time with the Griffins, Chris spent five seasons with the Olds Broncos, twice winning ACAC Women's Hockey Coach of the Year. Earlier this month, he was the head coach of Team Alberta and their entry at the National Women's U18 Championship in Dawson Creek, where the team finished fourth. James, Chris, thanks for being on Center Ice, the Hockey Alberta podcast. Thanks for having us. Excited to be here. Yeah, likewise. Thanks, Troy. James, I want to start with you off the top here. Both of you guys were recently the head coaches of Hockey Alberta programs, U16 and U18. How are those experiences for the two of you? Because you're both representing Team Alberta, obviously, um, but they're different tournaments, different formats. You know, obviously, in Chris's case, there's more teams and that type of thing. So I'm just interested to hear how different each of your experiences was at your different competitions. I know for for myself, essentially a Western Canada event and, you know, really just battling against BC, Sask, and Manitoba. And, uh, you know, for us, you're not really... You're aware of what what the other teams have and the other provinces have in terms of that birth year, that U16 birth year. But really, you know, your buildup, that one year buildup is really about Alberta and trying to find the right 20 players and really trying to create the culture that you want to have on that team. Fortunately for myself, I was able to kind of have the experience from a few previous events, being involved as a video coach in the WHL Cup two years ago, and then being an assistant coach for the Canada Winter Games. So... I got a chance, fortunate enough to to kind of see a full Canada event with the Canada Winter Games and also a WHL Cups. I feel for myself, I knew what I was getting myself into. I had some good learning experience and really tried to build off that. But overall, just a chance to work with the elite athletes with that 2008 birth year was was a great experience. We had a great group of kids. I'm sure we'll we'll dig into a little bit more throughout the conversation here. It was fun to try and prepare and, and get a team ready for a short-term competition. Up until the last day, we really liked kind of where we got our team to and unfortunately just weren't able to to finish the deal. Chris? We talked a little bit off camera about time management and James, I'll get your thoughts following Chris's answer here. You're both coaching elite prep teams, obviously with Edge and then a university team in McEwen. How do you prepare for a tournament while you're also looking after your club teams? We preach time management to our athletes quite a bit, especially at the post-secondary level. It was a good opportunity for me to really just live what I was preaching in full transparency. It was, a, it was a big commitment for sure. Part of my belief as, as a coach and how I recruit too and looking to bring people in is I think it's important to have a, a balanced foundation of well-being. So that means taking care of yourself as well as balancing that. Recently married as well. I thank my wife for being flexible with the amount of time that I had to commit and, and, and not spend with her. It took a lot. And you find now that you're in the thick of it, you're just grinding. You have all these things you want to get done. And working together with a team was very helpful for our group especially is we had a great support staff and we could rely on each other to, to execute roles and accomplish tasks. And that was extremely helpful. I can echo that. You know, for us, it was about a one-year process for us building up to the WHL Cup. We had, we had a couple of times where we'd take some breaks. I know after our summer camp, we took about a month break where we 
purely kind of shut down and didn't communicate, didn't have calls. For the most part, building up the summer camp. And then over the last, I'd say, two to three months before WHL Cup, we, you know, we'd have a weekly call, you know, usually late at night. I think a good chunk of our staff all had kids. So put the kids to bed. And then usually late at night, you kind of jump back on and, and kind of dig in on on preparing for whether it was summer camp or for the actual event. And usually after every call, you'd have some takeaways on each staff member had some things they had to take care of. It was good. Barry Midori was outstanding to work with, kind of kept us on task at times, which for myself is needed. Just drawing upon previous experiences, making sure you, you cross all the things off that you need to be prepared for. Having that resource with Barry and our staff, I thought that was outstanding to work with. It, it was fun. I enjoyed the process, enjoyed the summer camp, enjoyed the calls. It's significant uh, time commitments. And once you get to the events, you're thankful for it because you feel like you're prepared for anything that comes your way. And just to build on that, James, I wanted to ask you, obviously both tournaments, U18 and U16, they're very short compared to what you guys would be accustomed to during league play. How much do you guys need to switch kind of your coaching methods, systems, that sort of thing during in a tournament versus when you would play kind of your however long your regular season is? I guess the kind of the culture of the team we really tried to establish in summer camp. And so we really try to focus on some values that we wanted the team to understand of how we wanted to play and how we wanted to act. And that made the actual short-term event much easier. In terms of the structure, that's the top part is you've got 20 kids that all have different coaches and different systems and different terminology. So really, as much as you want to maybe use some of the, the Zoom calls to try and maybe introduce some structure, it's probably not worth your time doing it before the event because chances are the kids' are, minds are all over the place and, and they're hearing different terminology. So we had to kind of refrain ourselves from, from doing that and, and really wait till we got to the event and use the practices. And that's the toughest part is using the, the limited practice time you have to try and make sure that you have a bit of a style of play, and, which you hope carries over from your summer camp. And then really it's uh, just slowly trying to day by day introduce more structure, whether it's face-offs or special teams. In terms of systems, I would say we tried to keep it simple. That was our mandate from the start was keep it simple and don't overdo it and don't try to overcoach so we tried to keep it to concepts, style of play, and then really tried to add special teams details day by day, reviewing each game's video from our special teams, our face-offs, and then just a few critical areas of play that we really tried to center on. Our ideology was if we can do three or four things really well throughout the event, that's going to lead to our success. And that we tried to keep consistent to those three or four areas each day. To answer your question, 100%, you, you really do have to tone it down and, and really have to refrain yourself from trying to go and, and give too much information because it's enough as it is for the players. You don't want to paralyze them. You want to allow them to go and use their talents and, and just go out there and read and react the game and play aggressive and, and not be afraid to make mistakes. It's a task, but I, I thought our group actually did a, did a pretty good job overall in terms of sticking to a few key areas and, and, and able to execute those quite well. Chris, can you kind of echo some of the things that James was saying there? Yeah, absolutely. That was a major part of our planning. We knew that with these kids going back to their clubs, club teams or sports schools and, and you know, the concepts that we hammered through in our summer camp, we knew that the majority of it was going to fall out of their brains and we would have to come back to it. You know, because like you said, James, their own teams are hammering the systems and everything. So we really took a concept-based approach as well. And we really just broke it down into with and without possession. And we identified three things on both sides of when our team has possession and when we don't have possession to simplify it. And then we built our systems and our tactical plan out of those pieces so that there was continuity and consistency within those pieces. And we felt as a coaching staff that the uptake for that was good. Um, we really felt that they grasped the concepts 
over the course of our summer camp and into fall camp and then head, heading into the event. The nice thing is that being concept-based is they take those and apply them at their club team. Like we're not asking them to play a different system from what they might be being asked to, to, to play on a day-to-day basis. It was just general style of play concepts, similar to what you said, James. I think that we, we saw a lot of success and buy into it and, and we had a lot of success. We just kind of came up short offensively, I guess, at the end of the day. But, you know, overall, I thought that our coaching staff really committed to always bringing it back to those concepts and, and having conversations when we had player meetings or line meeting and then tied it into our special teams, our five on five play, ozone play. All of those things permeated all of our discussions. And so they were just getting hit with the same three things for with possession, without possession throughout the entirety of any kind of hockey conversation. And James kind of mentioned this halfway through his answer. And Chris, I'll come right back to you about this is practice. A lot of people don't know that you guys only get like a practice or two before the events. Obviously, you have the summer camp and when you're shortlisting players and all of that stuff. But when you have the team and it's in a group, you really only have I think it's maximum two practices, if I'm correct. So just what did you implement during those practices or how different are they from when you'd be coaching the queue and where you have time to implement stuff over a number of weeks and months? Just to touch on what James mentioned is just keeping it simple, right? We staged in Grand Prairie on our way up to Dawson there. And it was kind of cool that all of GP minor hockey was kind of booked around us on the female side. So we got an opportunity to interact with those teams, which was a, a cool thing to do. I thought the girls really liked that, but just to the practice piece, we just repeated some of the, the practice drills that we had implemented during summer camp. And we didn't have any practices at fall camp, but throughout the summer, we just kind of brought them back. We want to hit those with and without possession concepts, right? Our style of play, just reiterate that, remind them, you know, get them. We repeated a lot of the drills that we did, again, just to have that continuity of, of messaging so that we're not going to switch this on you now. And all of a sudden they, they've studied like a tech pack or like our style of play messaging that we've shared with them. And then all of a sudden we drove curveball out. We just stayed consistent with those pieces. We got on the ice three times, actually. We had one on Friday and then two sessions on Saturday. One was just special teams, face-offs play. And then the other one was, you know, kind of get some flow, kind of get our systems play and in, in, in intact and reiterate all the things that we had been sharing with them and talking about so that they're just building reps within the those pieces there. Round Robin play, we did get a skate at the actual event on a Wednesday. Again, we identified some of the things that we felt we could improve on based on our gameplay and looking at the opponents that we had coming up. Just didn't reinvent the wheel. Again, just kind of hit all the, the pieces that we, we just wanted to improve on. Again, kept it really simple and maintained consistency with our messaging. James, one thing I've always wondered watching the World Juniors, the Olympic, World Cup of Hockey type of thing is they're bringing players from all different teams, different groups, guys that haven't played with one another. How do you and the coaching staff determine kind of line combinations and deep pairings heading into a tournament when in a lot of cases they haven't played as a group together? It certainly took up some conversation as we got close to, to the roster. And then once we named the roster, that definitely was a, a good chunk of time trying to figure out the identity of your lines and trying to figure out what players have played together, especially with our group. You're actually surprised as a coach to figure out how much these kids have actually played together. And they do have a history with each other. So for the most part, we were able to look within kids that are at the same programs or that have maybe played together in the past and kind of look at some of those things. And then also just what players complimented and what you're trying to build with your lines. There was a good chunk of conversation there. 
Then of course you come up with a plan and then after you get a game or two in, you realize that didn't work quite what you had scripted. So you have to adjust. And, and certainly, you know, we adjusted throughout the event and, you know, thought we got to a, a fairly good idea of where we wanted our lines and our identity. And then of course you get other curveballs, you get a suspension or, or an injury in the event. And, and obviously something changes that plan. You have to keep on your toes, but for that, you just try and find kind of almost pairs within your lines, the two players that you think play really well together. And then you find the compliment that that suits it and D pairs as well to players that have had have some chemistry, maybe know each other personally and have that relationship with players that complement each other well. So it was definitely a bit of a jigsaw puzzle, but you know, as coaches, you're used to that. I mean, you're doing it year round with your team and trying to find the best solution, the big picture lineup. And that's part of the process. As coaches, I think we enjoy that challenge. Absolutely. And Chris, I'll ask you the same question, but I'll also build on top of that a bit. Just how does your thought process kind of work in terms of potentially changing a line or a deep pairing if something isn't working, you know, kind of as a point that I've hammered home, it's quite a bit different in a tournament versus a 25, 30 game season where you're able to leave a line or a D combo that's maybe struggling a bit for a week. You're able to leave them together because you believe they're going to work through the slump. But during a seven game tournament, you don't really have that opportunity. There's so many moving pieces to it, right? You, you, like like James alluded to, you, you want to find that familiarity and, and people that might, might have some natural chemistry from playing together throughout the year. Sometimes we found with our group, if we were able to give, just give them some game measurables, like this is what we want from you every period, you have to self-reflect and evaluate. Like, did you get there? And we can kind of figure out where they're at. And then from what we're seeing, we can just coach that gap. So, but if, you know, it was a major chemistry issue versus just execution, that's kind of where, you know, we, we have to pivot and make an adjustment with things. We swapped up some lines a little bit from what we thought that we would end up rolling through. Had an injury in the semifinal game, which unfortunately we so early on. So we lost one of our D-men for the last two games. So that changes the, the whole dynamic of the back end where you have pairs that you really like. And all of a sudden now everyone's sort of playing with everybody based on circumstances. Big picture, you just have to pivot with it at the end of the day. And uh, those are uncontrollable things. And, and we, we just always bring it back to our team identity and team style of play with what our expectations are from the players. At, at this level, they're all elite players. And, and we found that the reception to making changes and the uptake of what we were asking was actually well-received and they were able to execute. Final question that I have for you guys. And again, thank you so much for coming on and taking the time out of your busy schedules. We talked kind of about the lead up. We talked about kind of changes that you have to make as a coach. I want to ask you about the actual experience itself. You know, Fourth place and silver isn't, I would imagine, what you guys were hoping to come away from results-wise in terms of the tournament. But obviously, there's still a lot to be taken away from an experience like that. Just how proud of your groups are you that they faced some adversity early tournament losses and were able to bounce back and finish where they did? Chris, I will start with you. Adversity presents itself in your everyday life. And that's part of the beauty of sport is that you get to work through that. Not alone. You're with the team people that are there to support you. One of our goals before all of this really started, we as a staff discussed personally for ourselves, if we can have a takeaway, if we can provide our athletes with a positive experience and have them learn and grow, that's a win for us. And I think that that's the process. If we got super focused on the outcome of, of meddling or versus not meddling, I think that the focus and our attention was would have been in the wrong place. And I, I think that our group really bought into the that process, that the shift by shift, period by period, game by game kind of mentality. For as long as I've lived in Alberta now for seven years, I've been involved with the Hockey Alberta program, Alberta Challenge, Winter Games, U18. I was fortunate enough to be part of the Western Regional Championship when we did the four Western teams a few years back. And this was a different experience entirely because it was the whole country is the higher level competition. So I really enjoyed it. Like you get to live hockey every day. You don't have too many bad days when that's the reality. I'm grateful for this because I've taken away something 
every part of this summer camp. You know, I had great mentorship from Rob Dawson. Mentors make you think about stuff and you reflect and you can apply it to personal day-to-day life. Fall camp, same thing. And when we got to the actual events, kind of going into it blind because I had never actually been in an experience like this. I think the biggest thing for me was just being consistent with your messaging and finding ways to, to connect that's going to bring the best out of people. Um, coaching staff, all the way down to the players, to our support staff, uh, equipment managers, everybody. Like we're all in this together. And ultimately that was our theme was work together to win together. Gold medal was obviously the, the goal that you're going for. I think that if maybe we had a little bit more puck luck, we, I think we hit six or seven posts and missed a couple wide open nets. If we have five or six more goals, that changes the whole outcome. So the fact that we were get, generating those chances, like, I think that things could have went a lot different for us, but it is what it is. Take our learning from it and move forward. The overall experience, nothing but good memories from it. So there's lots of things you, you look at, I mean, in terms of the lead up and the preparation. We really looked at a big picture. It wasn't so much about, hey, it's, it's got to be a gold medal or bust. I actually, once I kind of learned that I was able to become the head coach of, of this year's team, my kind of mandate or my vision on it was I wanted to really kind of build upon the Canada Winter Games. And it was no fault of anyone or any group. That experience, we felt we kind of let Alberta down and didn't perform anywhere near where we expected. And our vision was we really wanted to get back to Alberta-built hockey. And that was kind of a lot behind the values and style of play that we wanted to bring to the WHL Cup. On that note, we certainly felt like we hit hit the mark in terms of we established Alberta-built hockey again. We, we we found the style of play that we believe in and and, and, and feels right for, for Hockey Alberta and Team Alberta, working with Derek Martin was a great experience. When you get to work with other high-level coaches, you pick up some things from each other. So that, that experience was great. If I look at the event, we lost our second game to Saskatchewan in overtime. But, you know, as a, as a group, we looked at that game and said, man, if we can keep playing like that and fix a few areas, you know, we're going to be in good shape because it actually, we, we played a really good game. Unfortunately, we didn't get puck luck as, as Chris was kind of alluding to and just had some bad breaks throughout the game, but actually dominated the, the actual course of play. So once we had that game and the following game, we had an outstanding game against BC and Went into the the semifinals feeling pretty good about where we were at and again, carried it through to the final. The finals the one day where I, I don't think we played up to our level for whatever reason, whether it was nerves or just fatigue, we, we just didn't seem to perform, which was, was frustrating. And, and despite that, as the game went on, we really started to take over the game and in the third period in overtime and unfortunately losing in a shootout uh, leaves a bitter taste. And as a coach, you have, you're, you're naturally going to second guess your decisions there. But the overall process in terms of reestablishing Alberta-built hockey and, and being proud of the effort and the, the attitude those 20 kids put towards it, no regrets there whatsoever. I mean, the kids gave it everything. Their commitment to being good teammates and having pride in wearing that Alberta jersey was, was top-notch. I was going to guess a few things you do with the coach and wish you maybe did a few things differently. But overall, the process, we're proud of how those kids uh, responded and just in terms of the relationships you build with some other staff members, it was, yeah, it was a great experience. Well, I think I can speak for everyone here at Hockey Alberta that thank you to both of you for representing our province so proudly and so well. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate it and uh, good luck with the rest of your regular seasons. Thank you for listening to Center Ice, the Hockey Alberta podcast. For this episode and more, head to hockeyalberta.ca. If there's a topic you'd like covered on an upcoming episode, please send an email to info at hockeyalberta.ca.